Welcome to the Indianola First Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Our prayer is that this message will inspire you, encourage you, and launch you into life-changing action. Well, good morning. I love that song. Nothing is impossible for God. Amen? Nothing is impossible. And that's my prayer this morning that, uh, uh, Lord... That's true, and I'm going to stand on it, and I'm going to believe it, and I'm going to know that I can preach this sermon because it's, nothing's impossible without you or with you. Nothing's impossible with you. Everything's impossible without him. Um, last week, we began a series entitled The Nation in Chaos, and if you missed it, I want to encourage you to uh, go to our website, indianolafirst.com, and watch it. In that message, I talked about some foundational truths that you must understand in order to see clearly what is really going on all around us. It's the answer to the question of why this chaos is happening and why God would allow such chaos to go on earth uh, when he created everything and he said that it was good. Our worldview must be filtered through the truths of the word of God. I mean, come on, that's truth. Are you awake this morning? Clap your hands really loud just once. Wake yourselves up because it's time to hear God's word this morning. And that should get us a little bit excited. It's got to be filtered. Our worldview has got to be filtered through the Word of God if we are going to have a biblical worldview. And just as, as, as a quick review from last week, God created everything good. <laughs> I ain't going to pre- preach to a bunch of deadbeats. Come on. This is church. I know you can't sing in California, but we can raise our voices in Iowa for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We pray protection over this place all the time. You're going to be fine. If you're scared, put on a mask. That's great. We love masks. God created everything good and with a certain order or cosmos. Cosmos means order. He created everything good and with a certain order, including man. Man was given free will because God loved us that much. He didn't want us puppets on a string. He wanted to make sure that we were given free will, that we could choose him if we wanted. He did that. And man chose with that free will. They chose to sin, and sin brought with it chaos, disorder. God isn't behind the problems of our world. That's what we talked about last week. He's the solution. He's a solution in the fact that he has provided a way out of our predicament. He sent his only son to die and pay the penalty for our sins. Jesus died on the cross, a death that we all deserve. All we must do is receive his gift, and cosmos can be ours again, or order. When we receive Christ as our Lord and Savior, order begins to come back into our lives. And yes, the devil will fight hard to keep you in a state of disorder. But as you continually put Christ on the throne of your life and grow in relationship with him, your chaos will gradually change to cosmos. Order will be set back into into place in your life. That's what happens. Our citizenship even changes from from here to heaven. His kingdom promises are now yes and amen for us. But remember that even though his kingdom has come, it is yet coming. It hasn't fully come yet. This is why when Jesus taught us to pray, he said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
This is to say that we will experience great miraculous things, healings, deliverances, provision, protection, and we know God does these things for us, yet there will always be times of calamity and hardship at the same time because we're still in this world. We're no longer of it, but we are still in it, and we will be until we pass away or are raptured out of here. How many are excited for that day? Yeah. Our nation, yes, is in chaos, but the church must first have a biblical worldview if they're going to be a part of the solution. And I believe this, that God all throughout history always has a remnant of people. He always calls a group of people to stand firm in the faith and they can see wonderful things happen in reference to their nation. What am I saying? People can change. When the church acts like the church, people can still change. We are still in the church age. People can still get saved. Absolutely, clap your hands for that. If people could not change, if they could not come to Christ, if they couldn't any longer have a relationship with him, there's no reason for us to meet anymore. Why would you come here if you're never gonna change? People can still change. People can still get saved. People who are saved can still grow. This is where we're living, and there's chaos all around us, but church, we can't get to that place where we say, well, no one's ever gonna change. That person will never, ever change. It's not true. That's not true. We must believe that change can still happen. How many were changed by the power of God at some time in your life? Absolutely. You don't know who this guy was 30 years ago. I'm not the guy who stands before you here today. You're not the person sitting here today that you were 30 years ago if you've accepted Christ and are growing in him. He's still in the changing business. So I want to continue this morning in this vein of thought by talking about perceptions. Turn to your neighbor and say perceptions. And how they affect our state of mind, the way we think, our emotions, and there's some emotions out in the world right now, isn't there? Our political positions, these perceptions affect even our actions. And I think you will see how perceptions, whether right or wrong, are controlling the narratives of people out there that are just bathing in the chaos. Simply put, perception is this, is, is the process of our brain taking in interpreting, selecting, and organizing sensory information that we receive. So the brain collects all of the sensory data from our eyes, you know, everything we see, our ears, the things we hear, our nose, the things we smell, taste, what our tongue tastes, and, and our skin, which is how we touch things, right, and we feel. And that takes all of that sensory data, then it organizes it in a way that allows us to produce thoughts in reference to that information. But perception is a lot more than just sensory information coming in. Your perceptions are also formed from experiences, environments that you've been exposed to, and even how you have personally responded to all of these environments and situations and circumstances in the past. Let me give you an example this morning. 
This last winter, Alyssa and I had the kids over and the grandkids over, and it was, it was an evening, and we had had the fireplace over or on because it was a little chilly out, and uh, we were enjoying the, the warmth of the fireplace. Before the kids came, though, we decided to turn the fireplace off because we have little ones and they could touch the glass, right? And they could burn their hands, right? We shut it off. Kids came a little early. We didn't shut it off quite quick enough. And the glass was still hot, and little Bo, who was just starting to walk, put his hands on the glass. And he cried because it was hot. He learned a new word that day, hot. And by the end of the evening, uh, I mean, they weren't burnt bad, but they were red. And there was maybe a little blister on a couple of his fingers. And uh, he cried, and, and, and Grandma and Grandpa, of course, felt terrible, and, you know... Uh, Please pray that uh, someday Grandma will let me turn on the fireplace again. Because <laughs> apparently it's never going on again. <laughs> His fingers healed quickly. And again, he learned that new word, hot. He developed a perception about our fireplace, too. He sees ours now, and he says, and he points to, points to it and says, hot, hot, hot. Yeah, well, that's hot. Yep. To this day, even when it's not on, and it hasn't really been on since, um, his perception about it is that it is hot, and he doesn't want to touch it. He has a perception about our fireplace that's not entirely true. I want you to hear me this morning. It's not entirely true, because sometimes the glass is hot. But the truth is that most of the time, it isn't. Still, he lives his little life in a super cautious way when he's around our fireplace because of that perception. And of course, we don't correct him in this because we don't ever want him to get burned again. What's the point? Well, let me give you a quote from our Ultimate Journey class, and I want you to uh, connect the dots here a little bit. Here's the quote. The lies you allow yourself to believe will eventually become the truths that you live by. Now, it's not a total lie that that fireplace is hot, but most of the time, it's not hot. It's not a total truth that that fireplace is hot all the time, right? John 8, and I want to relate this back to us, our nation, and our situation. You are, the fa you are of your father, the devil. That's an encouraging word, isn't it? This is Jesus speaking, by the way. And you want to do the desires of your father, the devil. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And Jesus is not speaking this to heathens here. He was speaking this to the Jews. And more, uh, uh, these are God's chosen people. And specifically, he was speaking to the religious leaders. Satan is a masterful liar. Masterful. He lays the traps of situation and circumstance years before. Often causes the chaos that comes with sin, which he is constantly tempting people with, then he lies in our ears, and because of our past, because of our experiences, because of what we've been, that we've been burned before, we start believing those lies, and eventually they turn into those truths that we live by, even if those perceived truths, there's that word perception, 
even if those perceived truths are not really true. Their perceptions, even if they're wrong or only half right, within our minds they are validated. Bo may be validated in thinking that the glass in the fireplace is always hot, but in reality, it's not true. I want you to get your mind wrapped around this a little bit because it's really the heart of the issue of what our nation's going through. Perceptions that aren't correct. Perceptions that aren't fully right and aren't reality. Let me bring this same thought into one of the hot button, don't talk about it, subjects of the day. Let's talk about racism for a second. Racism, as we know, is basically hating, prejudging, or allowing negative feelings to develop in regards to someone because of their race. Everyone's with me, right? No one's going to get mad at me, right? I'm not here to offend anybody on purpose. In South Africa, where uh, our Botswana team went into just over a year ago to go on a safari, that was in June. This was in December when this happened, the, the last December. There's been a ten tensions, high tensions between blacks and whites for years in South Africa. A politician and leader of the Black Land First movement, isn't that interesting? Black Land First movement urged followers at a public rally, and he's a political leader, he said, kill all white people. Every white person should be killed in the country of South Africa. That's what he said. Or, yeah, South Africa. And that's a terrible thing to say, and I don't believe that there's any kind of justification for saying it, but there probably is a reason he believes that ridding his country of all white people would be a good thing. His perceptions have been formed out of his own experiences in history. I wonder what white guy wronged him. And in what way? But on top of this, the devil has been lying to him and even used his personal history and circumstance to give him a twisted perception. It is probably validated in his own mind. But that doesn't make it true or justified. I'll give you another example. I met an older Christian man a few years back. He told me that he knows Jesus loves all people, but he personally would never trust a black person. That's racism, by the way. That's, that's racism. He said that he fought in, in the war during the desegregation of the U.S. military. All of a sudden, half of his all-white platoon was removed and replaced with black soldiers. He watched as these black American soldiers continually hid, ran off, and allowed his friends to be butchered. He said they just wouldn't fight, and for that, he just couldn't forgive them or ever trust them again. I said to him, have you ever thought about how it must have been for them? They were drafted into the military to fight for a country, at least back then, for sure, who allowed such practices as making them sit in the back of the bus or wouldn't let them sit in a restaurant. They had to go to the back kitchen door to get any food. They were made to fight for a country that treated them as second-class citizens. They were not treated as equals because of their skin color. Yet our country said, you will be drafted and you're going to fight. This man's perceptions were validated in his mind because of what he experienced, but he failed, what he failed to do was realize that the glass isn't always hot. 
Even though he saw what he saw, there were still black Americans who laid down their life in heroic fashion so that we could have the freedoms that we have today. And I will say this, those black Americans that ran away from the fighting, leaving their fellow white soldiers to fend for themselves and even die, needed to also remember that the glass isn't always hot. Their perception was certainly validated in their minds because of the many white people that didn't treat them as equals. But at the same time, individuals within our nation, many white individuals actually despised their fellow white Americans for believing in these practices. The glass isn't always hot. Not all black people bad, all white people good. Not all white people bad, all black people good. That's just the way it is. But I've been told as late, as of late, that if your congregation, if our congregation doesn't have a strong mix of different races and skin color, it's because I as the pastor or we as the congregation are a part of systemic racism. You know, Senator Graham uh, was uh, interviewed the other day, a couple weeks back, and he was asked about systemic racism. He talked about a colleague of his, a fellow U.S. senator that happened to be black. He said that in so many years of serving in the Senate, the U.S. Senate, that he himself, Senator Graham, had never been stopped by Capitol Police, but his friend had been stopped seven or eight times in the same period. This is systemic racism, and it does exist within our culture. But again, for someone to tell me that our congregation, if it's not equally mixed with different races and skin color, it's because we're part of the systemic racism? I'm not trying to stir up controversy here this morning, but I don't believe that to be true. We have a certain demographic of races in rural Iowa that common sense would tell you if there's a minority in the population, it would also be reflected in the membership of the church and certainly in the workplace. Perceptions can be deceptive. When we refuse to step back and look at things from a broader, more eternal perspective, we run the risk of being deceived. We demand that our perception is truth. It's been validated in our minds. No one can tell us different. So we start to overcompensate to prove our point and end up with extreme viewpoints. What do you got going on in the nation right now? You got extreme viewpoints. Well, I'm here and I'm taking a stand here. Well, I'm here and I'm taking a stand here. And why are they doing that? Because perceptions are being trusted. They're validated in our own minds. But the glass ain't always hot. Right? The glass isn't always hot. Do you know what ACAB stands for when you see it on a protester's sign? Don't, don't say it. That wasn't, that's a rhetorical question. But A-C-A-B, all cops are word that means you don't know who your dad is. That's what it means. Who puts that on a sign? Let me, don't answer that. Think in your head. I'll tell you where that came from, and it might shock you a little bit. The person that, the people that came up with that acronym 
It's really from a long, it's a long-standing slogan in the skinhead white supremacist subculture. They dislike cops, as do the Black Lives Matter movement, and I'm gonna say something controversial. I don't believe Black Lives Matter is a civil rights organization. I believe it to be a political organization. Because they really don't care about black lives. My point is this, neither one of those groups like cops. Isn't it interesting that extreme viewpoints on seemingly opposing sides of today's issue unify on that topic? They both hate the ones who are called and empowered within our culture to uphold law and order, cosmos. Those who would incite chaos on both ends of the perspective, chaos means disorder, absolutely can't stand those that bring cosmos or order into our society. Are there bad cops? You better believe it. There's also bad electricians, <laughs> bad salesmen, rotten to the core politicians, those who work in the food industry that are just nasty people, terrible humans that work as pastors. I met them. There are bad individuals in every possible profession and demographic. Amen. And you must see this. Before you jump to the extreme sides of any cultural or social issue that you're talking about, perceptions that may very well be validated in your own mind bring about the tendency for us to overcompensate in our rhetoric just to prove our point, which in turn produces these extreme viewpoints within us. And we disunify as a people, as a nation. And that leaks down to even families. Maybe the families have leaked down into the nation. But disunity is the result. Still, you may, you may not believe that uh, perceptions can be skewed by your own experiences, history, pain, and everything else that you've ever, ever experienced. Um, check this out. I want you to throw this graphic up here. And you see it? You see that the, uh, there's two squares in space, kind of there, in, a, in an environment. My question would be, if I was to pull you at which square was lighter, most of you would say the bottom one. How many would bet me $10 that the bottom one is lighter? Who would bet me 10 bucks right now? Don't gamble in church. Okay. <laughs> Don't gamble, period. <laughs> We would all say the, light, the bottom one is lighter, right? Are you 100% sure, though? How positive are you? I mean, your perceptions, right? You trust them. And we see that as definitely lighter on the bottom. Roll the video. I want to show you something. Watch it carefully. They're the same color. They're absolutely the same color. We didn't change it. It's not trick photography or some visual graphics trick that we pulled on you. 
The reason you believe that the lower one was lighter is that you have been in a world your whole life. Go back to that image. You've been in a world your whole life where our sun is a single light source. Our brains are trained to know that the shiny line in the middle of those two squares is caused by that single source of light. And with that being the case, we perceive that these squares are different. They're in different positions in space. We perceive that, they, that the top one angles backward, and so it must be darker because of our experience with shadows and that gradient that's in the middle. That's light source, so that has to be moving back. Our perception isn't right. Although it'd be hard to convince anyone that the bottom square is darker, take away the shiny area in the middle and the true image is revealed. The brain isn't able to trick you into false belief when the gradient in the middle is covered up. You think the glass is hot, but it isn't always hot. And again, church, the devil is a liar and the father of all lies. He's a master manipulator. Don't think for a second that he's not working overtime to manipulate you and lie to you. We can see him lying to this nation right now, and people are going to extremes, and violence is erupting. Disunity is everywhere. Man, you can't have a conversation in a coffee shop anymore without someone getting angry. Heck, you can't even go into the coffee shop hardly. You can't talk to family members without someone. I mean, honestly, I've heard more and more and more as of late, family members, it, people in the church here who talked to family and they were kind of disowned, not, not maybe that strong a language, but they were said, you know, I'm just not gonna talk to you anymore because you don't believe like I believe. It's becoming very, very Separate, And I know there's an absolute right, and I know there's an absolute wrong. And we tend to want to be on that side, and we are, we hopefully we're on that side where we're striving to find that absolute right. But don't underestimate that manipulation, that, that lying that the devil is always working at in our lives. He twists the truth and throws just enough believability in there to help you prop up your perception. He's doing this all over our nation. He's doing this all over the world. And at the heart of it all is, is a motive to disunify everyone. Satan wants this world completely disunified. Get everyone in a horrible state of confusion and disunity. And this is the reason we have division in our government and such pronounced disunity in our political parties. You know, I, there, there was a time when political parties and their differences, they could still hang out. They don't even talk to each other, as you know. Our culture and its various subcultures are full of disunity as well as our churches and even our families. It's a total breakdown of societies. Every, everyone's screaming how right they are while vilifying anyone who opposes them. I, I want to remind us of something. Jesus said in Matthew 12, 25, every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined. And every city or household divided against itself will not stand. Church, a nation that will not unify is a nation that will fall. A church that will not unify is a church that will fall. 
A family that will not unify is a family that will fall. And don't let this disunifying, lying spirit of the enemy infect you. Perceptions are usually validated in our minds, but they can't be trusted. They lead to disunity with extreme views on both ends. So what should we do about all this? First, realize the truth of the word of God. Isaiah 55, 8 through 9, a lot of you have this as your favorite verse, but for, many, for, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. God thinks a lot differently than most of us. How many would admit to that? No, I have a, I have, I have a, I, I, I'm a Christian. I've been for years. I think just like God does. Pride can take you down a lot of wrong roads. Oh, there's a, there's a scene in the movie Rudy. I think I said this a couple weeks ago, but where he's just talking to a priest, and the priest just says. Man, I've been a priest a long time. He's an old priest. He says, I only only know two things. One, there's a God. And two, I'm not him. I think that's kind of true in some ways. God's thoughts are so far beyond ours. Don't bite on the lies that the devil is trying to lure you away with. Take a deep breath, step back from it, and talk with God. Read his word and find balance in your belief before you overcompensate and jump to extremes. Don't water down the truth. I'm not saying that. You gotta find balance, though. Don't react to everything you hear. Wait upon the Lord. Seek his face. Then respond when the timing's right. I think that's worth repeating. Don't react to everything you hear. Don't react to everything you hear. Amen, Pastor Brett, that's really good. Don't react to everything you hear. Wait upon the Lord, seek his face, then respond when the timing is right. Church, we are to be peacemakers in this upside down world that is so wrapped up in their false perceptions. Perceptions that, again, may be personally validated in the individual's mind, but not true in reality. Being peacemakers isn't the equivalent of being wimps. Actually, when you stand in the place of balance and being a peacemaker, you will be hated by those on either end of the extremes. I think it was Jesus who said, you will be hated by everyone because of me, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Well, I'm taking my stand over here. I'm standing for the Lord. You better pick your battles wisely. You better be careful about those lines in the sand that you draw. Because as far as I remember and see in Scripture, we have a responsibility to be light, salt and light to the world. You know what's great about salt? You crave it, right? You take extremes, all of a sudden there's a lot of people that aren't gonna crave you and what you bring to the table in the person of Jesus Christ. They're not gonna crave you. You're just a loud person on the opposite end. 
then we can't do our job. You can take a stand in a peacemaking way. It's called responding instead of reacting. It's carefully picking your words. It's not being a part of the emotionally high-charged culture that's all around us. It's saying, you know what? No, I'm not going there. I have the word of God. I know how the story ends. I know what's going on here. My war is not against flesh and blood. It's against principalities and rulers of darkness. You want to be a tough, take-a-stand person? Get on your knees and pray. Amen? Amen? Why well, take my stand on social media? Well, great. Hope that works for you. We forget how we're supposed to fight. This is how I fight my battles. We praise the Lord. We lift up his name. We exalt him. We become Jesus with skin on. We care so much even about the other end of the spectrum, that extreme that we're not on. We care so much about them and we love them through the eyes of Christ that we're willing to get on our knees and cry out to God for their souls. I want you to understand, I'm a cleric. It's my nature to take a stand and puff up my chest and shout the other guy down. The word of God does not tell me to do that. Those who fight for balance and make peace between warring opposites are those who are standing firm. Truth exists apart from experience or situation. Did you hear me? Truth exists apart from your experience or situation or personal history. It exists apart from your perception. You may find truth for some of that some truth from through some of those things but the reality is that jesus is truth personified end of story it doesn't matter what you experience it doesn't change the truth is what i'm saying he is the truth and if we are going to be his ambassadors we must bring his love into every situation and every conflict we find ourselves in not to be so reactive that we jump to hate and extreme positions but to respond in love as Christ always did, that's not being wimpy. That's fighting the good fight of faith. Anybody can be a loudmouth. That's easy. It takes control. It takes being spirit-led to respond instead of react. In Billy Graham's devotional, he talks about being a peacemaker in reference to a battery. Actually, Brad Money shared this with me. I thought this was so good. The battery's power is only accessible when you are connected to the positive and negative side of it. If we want to be powerful peacemakers, as Christ called us to be, then we ought to, ought to uh, do what we can to remain relationally connected to both sides of conflict. Doesn't mean we have to agree with wrongness. I'm not saying that. Not saying water down the truth, but be connected relationally. Then we can speak to both sides and help bring balance and unity back to the situation. But if you're only trying to use one side of the battery, you're, 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 the battery's powerless. 
And I think this is a timely message because we see symptoms of a nation in chaos, symptoms of a nation that is reacting to everything because of their personal perceptions. We see the destruction of historical monuments. History shouldn't be covered up and forgotten because we don't like it or disagree with it or disagree with those who lived it. I was told in high school that we study history so that we don't repeat the mistakes of the past. We see another symptom in society, and especially young people, uh, they're moving closer and towards socialism. Let me say something about socialism, and I will say it loud and clear, especially to the young people here today, and I'll say it in their vernacular so they can understand, and even those watching online, socialism sucks. Sorry. No, I'm not sorry. I'm not sorry to say that at all. Socialism sounds good because it promises to make the playing field level so that everyone has the same chance to succeed. Sounds good, right? Everyone gets the same opportunities and nobody gets left behind. But in reality, everyone gets left behind because socialism takes away your right as an individual to dream and achieve. Socialism says it levels the playing field for everybody, but in reality, it lowers the ceiling on everyone. And it keeps people from dreaming and striving to make themselves better. It has never worked in the history of the world and it isn't gonna work now. It's a lost cause, don't even go there, it don't work. We see symptoms of our nation being in chaos and how people are responding to one another in reference to the the pandemic. I mean, the, the shaming over mask wearing is just ridiculous to me. Don't wear a mask, wear a mask, don't wear a mask, wear a mask. You're going out in public and eating in a restaurant? Are you crazy? I mean, all the things that are going, you know what I'm talking about. You've all experienced it. There's so much disunity about everything right now. Every opinion stirs up a fight. Are we so blind that we can't see what's really happening? As we approach the end of this age, the spirit of the Antichrist will be at work in an increased fashion. Scripture, folks. They are... He is, his, his spirit is already working and stirring the pot. Wars, rumors of wars, social unrest. It's like the, the pot is getting hotter and hotter. It hasn't quite boiled over yet. And when it finally does, a world leader will rise up in power and will have all sorts of answers for all of our global problems. It's all a setup for what's to come. Everything that's going on right now is a setup. If you want to jump in and react and be a part of what he's doing to set things up, I I can't stop you. But we've got a job to do until that time. I don't know what's going to happen, but we've got a job to do. I'm not saying remain neutral. I'm not saying that at all. You've got to stand up for truth. But you've got to be balanced. You have to respond instead of react. You can't jump into extremes to the point where no one over here is ever going to listen to you again. Love. Love is the answer. I'm going to preach a lot next week about the things that are to come. Things right now going on, they're set up. Set up for what? We'll talk about that next week. But this morning, my challenge for you is this. Are you so driven by your perceptions that you have been overcompensating 
I want you to reread your last two months of social media comments before you answer that. Are you remaining balanced in your views so much that you have postured yourself to become a peacemaker? There's something powerful about trying to understand another point of view. Understand where that perception comes from. It's not wrong to try to understand. It doesn't mean you go around and agree with everything. It just means that you try to understand. For the sake of souls. For the sake of being able to share with people. Relationally, are you connected to both extreme sides of any given issue in order to bring about peace? Have you, you, you have no voice with those you refuse to be connected with relationally. That means you have no influence on them either. I've said many times, in many different ways from this pulpit, we're not going to be a, a church that's the us four and no more, the holy huddle that gathers together and says, Jesus, come back. We hate this world and we're sick of it. We're called to bring people as many as we can. The time is getting short, church. There's no time to start shunning everybody because you got to be a loudmouth. Yes, take a stand, but take a stand for sharing the gospel with lost people. You know what's going to happen to all political systems in, in the world? They're going to fall. No matter what you do, they're going to fall. I don't care if you're a Republican or Democrat, an independent. I don't care if you're a socialist. I mean, you shouldn't be because it, you know, sucks. But I, all those systems are going to fall. The only way it's ever going to work is when Jesus sits on the throne. So we might as well understand that our citizenship is there. We love this country. I'm not saying that. I gotta qualify everything I said because I'm gonna get hammered for this after service, just know that. <laughs> Love this country. This country has blessed more people in the world than any country that's ever existed. And I'll fight for this country. But my first responsibility as a Christian, as a child of God, is to just be able to share Christ. Church, we must realize that God's ways and thoughts are higher than ours. We can't afford to lean on our own understanding at this time. We must seek his face in order to have proper perspective. It's okay to understand that the glass is hot. It's okay to understand that. But you have to know the truth about the fact that it's not always hot. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this morning. God, I pray that you would refocus us on kingdom things, your kingdom. And as that spills over into politics and discussions of other things that are going on in this world, fine, but we have to start with kingdom thinking. Lord, I pray that we would not be reactors, but we would be responders that we would be self-aware enough to realize that our perceptions aren't always 100% true or reliable. But God, they're affected by many things. 
Lord, we want to be a church that's salt and light. We want to be busy about our Father's business until you come back. We want to be that church that's without spot or wrinkle because we've been so focused on you and not distracted by every conflict and confusing thing that comes up. Lord, help us to walk in balance. Help us to be peacemakers wherever we go. Help us bring your spirit of love to every conversation we're in. Help us be world changers, God. Not just another voice yelling or spewing off about this or that. Lord, we know you love us with an everlasting love. And we commit to you this morning, God, you can count on us to walk in truth with eternal perspective. We love you, Jesus. Let him just speak to your heart for a second. Hallelujah. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thanks for being a part of the Indianola First podcast. Join us next week to stay updated on our latest messages.